Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, for whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. And so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. If you're a dead, you have a commonality with Nehemiah. You bear a burden. Nehemiah spent his eight to fives in the royal court. He was the king's cupbearer. But when the whistle blew and the work was done, he headed home to a different kind of concern. Nehemiah was burdened for the children, the children of Israel. Nehemiah was living in Shushan, the winter residence of the Persian emperor, when news arrived of trouble in his hometown of Jerusalem. The walls were rubble. The gates had been burned. The city was in shambles, and the inhabitants were vulnerable to danger. And it became Nehemiah's driving passion to re-erect those ravaged walls. If you're a dad, you too are saddled with a concern. It's perpetually on your mind. For when you punch the clock on the end of a day's business and head home, 
you too carry a burden for the children. Not the children of Israel, mind you, but your own children. Like Nehemiah, we as dads see that the walls around our kids have crumbled. Where is the moral base? Where are the transcendent values? Where are the divine truths that provide our kids the boundaries and the guidelines they so desperately need? The walls of morality and truth today are in rubble. And it is every father's burden to rebuild them. If you're a father, you have a lot in common with Nehemiah. Understand, in ancient times, a city's walls were extremely important. First, walls reflected a city's prosperity. The wealthier the city, the taller, the thicker, the more ornate the walls. One look at the walls would reveal a city's status. Second, walls provided a city with power. They shielded the people from the enemy's onslaughts. The stronger the walls, the stronger its citizens' resolve. Third, walls determined a city's protection. The walls kept out wild animals and sinister people that might want to disrupt the peace and cause the people harm. And fourth, walls expanded a city's perspective. From on top of the walls, the lookouts could see further and they could see clearer. The walls were a necessary vantage point. Of course, modern cities today no longer have these type of walls. Today, though, the importance is on a different sort of wall. Walls of truth and morality and values. Walls of spirituality. These are what today provides a society with prosperity and power, and protection, and perspective. You see, when a society acknowledges God's truth, when it's governed by transcendent values, people's lives gain meaning. They become more productive and prosperous. A moral and a spiritual people become a stronger people. I mean, saying no to temptation and yes to God cultivates a personal power and strength. A society based on divine truth also affords people protection. I mean, God erects loving walls around us more to keep dangers out than to hem us in. His truth becomes a safe haven. And a people who promote God's truth, they gain an eternal perspective. From the top of the wall of God's truth, we can see beyond the immediate to what God has on the horizon. Walls are important even today. When Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem, we're told that he took a nighttime stroll around the city. And the situation was every bit as grim as he had heard. In chapter 2, verse 17, he tells the leaders of the Jews, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste. And today, when I look at our society, I come to the same sad conclusion. We too are in dire distress. Morally, we are a wasteland. Spiritually, we are in ruins. The walls are rubble. Why is it hard for us to understand how a kid can walk into a school today with a loaded gun and start blowing the place up? I mean, there are no more walls. We've never given that kid a reason why one human whim is any more right or wrong than another. 
Society's conscience doesn't blink when an unborn baby is murdered. So why is it wrong to kill them after they've been around for a few years? If there's no ultimate truth, what's the point of life anyway? You see, all of life becomes a cruel joke. A society that kicks the Bible and prayer and absolute truth out of its schools tears down walls that are irreplaceable. Kids grow up confused and chaotic. They lack principle and they become vulnerable to every hideous evil the devil throws at them. As a father, here was always my starting point. I envisioned my four treasured children surrounded by rabid pit bulls. At least a dozen. They're licking their chops. They're frothing at the mouth. They're closing in on my kids like they were a pound of ground round. I'm not exaggerating. That's the spiritual environment in which we live. As a dad, we need to build walls and we need to build them fast. Social commentator Jack Kramer, he tells about the night he got stranded in rough and tumble South Central L.A. Late for a flight, he couldn't find a taxi, and so he decided to take a chance. Three Hispanic teenagers were standing by their car. Jack asked them how much they would charge him to give him a ride to the airport. The driver said 10 bucks. Jack offered 20 and jumped in the car with the three men. Well, obviously, Jack was nervous. These guys could rip him off. They could steal his suitcase, or worse. Jack became even more antsy and uneasy when they reached the freeway and turned east. He thought for sure the airport was west. Finally, Jack sighed. Man, I hope you guys are going to take care of me. One guy laughed. It's okay, man. We're good guys. Jack hoped he was right. All of a sudden, all of the social issues that Jack Kramer was fond of writing about were right there with him in the same car. Before long, Jack asked, Are there gangs at your school? Oh, there are gangs everywhere, man. It's crazy. Are you guys in a gang? No way. Why not? Because there's no hope in it, man. You just get a bullet in your head, man. Yeah, but what hope is there for you outside of the gang? I don't know, man. I just want to get a future. Do something. What's the difference between you guys and the gangs? I don't know, man. I don't know. We're just lucky, I guess. Well, Jack thought for a minute, and then he asked, What about fathers? Do you guys have a father at home? The kid in the back seat said, Yeah, I do. The other two kids said, Yeah, I got a dad. Is he living with you? All three answered, Yeah. Jack followed a suspicion. He said, Do guys in the gangs have fathers living with them? No way, man. None of them do. Well, does dad make a difference? Absolutely. He's always behind you, man. Pushing you, keeping you in line, telling you what's what. Well, Jack Kramer concludes his account of his ride to LAX. I was taken right where I needed to go. The driver even asked what terminal I wanted. On time, without a hitch. And the men to whom I am most grateful are the men I never met. It was their fathers who got me to the airport. It was their fathers who kept me safe. You see, it's a father's job to build moral and spiritual walls around his kids. And when it comes to building walls, no one was better at it than Nehemiah. 
I want all dads today to notice four facets of Nehemiah's wall building. They also apply to us as fathers. Number one, his priority was imperial. Dad, you ought to take notes. You ought to get a little pen out, take some notes. Number one, his priority was imperial. Number two, his presence was imperative. Number three, his plan was ingenious. It involved three things. He built, he battled, and he bugled. And then number four, his persistence was important. I'm going to run them by you again. His priority was imperial. His presence was imperative. His plan was ingenious. And his persistence was important. Dad, if you care about your kids, you will build walls. And you will start today. First, notice Nehemiah's priority was imperial. In other words, it came from the king. Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem and the construction of the walls was commanded by a royal decree from the Persian emperor himself, Artaxerxes. And dad, you need to know that no less than the king of the universe has sanctioned a dad to involve himself in the lives of his children and to build walls. Dad, you have divine authorization to teach your kids biblical truth and morality, to set limits, to draw boundaries, to erect standards. God has called you to this task. Dad, parenting your child is a God-given commission. You know, there are very few pursuits in my life that I can say have actually been sanctioned by God. I don't have a divine mandate to work in my front yard or to play golf or to piddle on my computer. I've never heard a voice from heaven thunder down at me and say, Thus saith the Lord, Sandy, watch television. Never. But I know in my heart of hearts that I have been called by God to build spiritual and moral walls around my kids. Understand, Nehemiah's priority was imperial. It came from the king. And then second, Nehemiah's presence was imperative. See, it's hard to build walls in Jerusalem while you're hanging out on the other side of the world in Shushan. Nehemiah had to be on site to construct these walls. You see, being a good dad involves many elements, but the first step, the indispensable step, is to simply be there. Dad, your presence in the life of your kids is imperative. You know, some dads act like their kids come with a pause button. That they can just sort of push pause on their child's development while they go off to do their own thing. Or to decide to grow up. They're under the illusion that the opportunities will still be there when they get ready. They're in for a rude awakening. By the time you're ready, Dad, your kid may no longer care. Author Wade Horn, he comments, My father was a great dad. I didn't always think so, of course. When I was growing up, I thought of him as an overbearing autocratic stick in the mud whose main mission in life was to make mine miserable. But I have since come to realize that he had one great quality. He was there. Someone once said, 90% of life is just showing up. My dad showed up. Several 
Months ago, I ran across the top ten dishes served when mom is away and dad is home cooking. (laughs) Top ten dishes served when mom is away and dad is home cooking. Number ten, hot dogs with a hint of Tabasco. This is my favorite. Number nine, kids eat free night at the steakhouse. Number eight, pizza. Number seven, broiled bologna benedict on rye. Number six, back of the fridge goulash with lots of pepper. Number five, chips and salsa. Number four, cocoa puffs. Number three, something old, something blue, something frozen, call it stew. Number two, cold pizza. And number one, whatever's cooking at grandma's. But at least dad is there and he's trying. Understand what the statistics are likely to say, are likely, the statistics say are likely to happen if dad is not there. 63% of youth suicides are committed by kids from fatherless homes. 90% of runaways, 80% of rapists, 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of kids on drugs or alcohol, and 85% of all youths in prison come from homes without a father. There's a Chinese proverb that says, a broken nest seldom produces whole eggs. And it's true. You see, the involvement of a dad increases a child's chances of success. Dad, if you want to build walls, you got to be there. Nehemiah, his priority was imperial. His presence was imperative. And then third, his plan was absolutely ingenious. It involved three tactics. He built, he battled, and he bugled. First, notice Nehemiah went to work building these walls. Man, he rolled up his shirt sleeves. He got right at it. Verse 6 says, The people had a mind to work. And that needs to be every father's mentality. Dad, you've got to work at being a good father. You've got to work at being an example to your kids. When it comes to building walls, this is where it's not just going to come to you, Dad. You've got to take the initiative. You've got to make it happen. You're the one that's got to read the Bible with your kids. You've got to take the initiative and pray with them. You've got to talk about life together with them and solve problems together and always be on the lookout for that teachable moment where you can draw on a real-life application to apply spiritual truth. The kid on the baseball team who throws a temper tantrum and acts cocky suddenly becomes your opportunity to teach your child why it's important to have a good attitude. Rejection from a friend your child trusted becomes the springboard for a lesson on why our security needs to be in God and not in other people. Nervousness before a test becomes fertile ground to teach the power of prayer and a reliance on the Holy Spirit, as well as the importance of studying every once in a while. These are all opportunities to teach. You see, for a wise dad who looks out for his kids, school is always open. Class is always in session. All of life becomes a lesson. You see, too many kids today feel as if their life has no value. They've never been loved. No one's ever dreamed for them. No one's ever prodded for them to reach beyond themselves and to reach for a goal. 
And thus they lack a desire to excel. You see, a dad builds walls. He builds this desire to excel within his kids by affirming of his child's efforts. Kids live for their dad's approval. Hey, all the world may be your fan, but a kid needs to know his dad is in his corner. In high school, I was the quarterback on our football team, and man, was I good. I was a legend in my own mind. In fact, the older I get, the better I was. And I can remember, whether it's true or not, I'm not sure, but I can remember now running touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, the girls squealing, the fans chanting my name. And yeah, I do remember this, the only person I ever looked for in those bleachers was my dad. And he'd always look down at me and he'd give me the thumbs up. Whenever he gave me that thumbs up, I knew that that he approved of what I was doing. Kids live for their dad's acceptance. Derek Redmond is a track star from Great Britain. He runs the 400 meters. In the Olympic Games, he had cruised to an early lead. It looked like he would coast to victory until suddenly he pulled up in pain. He tore an Achilles tendon and collapsed in the last 50 yards. But that's when a marvelous thing happened. Derek's dad jumped out of the stands and ran onto the track. He grabbed his son by the arm and helped him cross the finish line. Obviously, Derek Redmond didn't win, but he finished accomplishing a goal. And it was thanks to his dad. You see, dads encourage kids to finish and not give up. Dads pull for their kids. They tell them they can do it. And then they let them know it's okay if they don't. Dads build into the life of their kids. But building isn't the only task necessary to erect walls. It also requires battling. You see, walls include standards of behavior and the demand for honesty and curfews and dating guidelines and academic expectations and the reasons behind these rules. You see, the world we live in is full of choices, and your kids need to be allowed to make some choices of their own. But they also need parameters. They need limits to the choices they can make. Without limits, life can be deadly. And establishing those limits while cultivating in your kids the tools to make good choices is the demanding and never-ending job of a father. Nehemiah knew that a city without walls was susceptible to a whole parade of danger. This is why his enemies try to thwart his efforts. To erect the walls, he has to battle as well as build. Notice in verse 9, he set a watch. In verse 13, he armed his workers. In verse 17, they held a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other. And this is what it takes to grow kids. It takes both building and battling. Notice in verse 14 how Nehemiah encourages the people of Jerusalem. He says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Hey, in the world that we live in today, dads also have to fight for their sons and their daughters. We have to battle. Note especially where Nehemiah stationed the guards. Verse 13. Behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. 
Notice his chief concerns were the foundations and the openings. And these are the areas where every dad needs to focus his attention. The child's foundation or his belief system and the openings are his exposures to the outside world. Dad, you need to be attentive to what your child believes and receives. And this is the area where a dad not only battles the evils out there, but he also battles his own kids. (laughs) For kids will want to watch the hip movies and listen to the cool music and tune into the popular TV shows and have unlimited access to the internet even when they're accessing moral filth and spiritual garbage. Curiosity and peer pressure tend to combine to produce a blindness in our kids. Sometimes they just don't see why we say no. It reminds me of the kids who wanted to go to a movie of which Dad did not approve. The kids explained, Well, it only has four curse words, one sex scene, and some mild violence. But Dad, the special effects are incredible. And the good guy wins in the end. Well, Dad still put his foot down. Later that night, he he went into the kitchen and he popped some brownies into the oven. Of course, the aroma wafted through the house and the kids all came running, licking their chops. But just before they bit into the brownies, Dad told them, he said, Guys, tonight... I put just a little bit of dog poop in with the brownie mix. It's not a lot now. It's not going to spoil the taste of the... They're still good brownies. Go ahead and dig in. Of course, you know no one ate. And Dad was trying to get his kids to see the obvious. If a little bit of dog poop in a brownie makes it inedible, why doesn't a little filth in a movie make it inappropriate? Dad, it's just up to you to say no. To build walls for yourself and for your kids. And let me say, what you make off limits to your kids, make sure is also off limits to you. Because kids have the uncanny ability, they know how to sniff out hypocrisy a mile away. Hey, your kids may grow older and buck your standards... But when they do, they'll never know how far they've fallen if you haven't set the bar. And at times, will setting those standards put you at odds with your kids? (laughs) You bet it will. One author defines a dad as the provider of all and the enemy of all. That's how we sometimes feel. A dad loves his kids Yet he can be hated for insisting on what's best for them. Hey, there's one thing a dad always has to remember. Dad, you should always remind yourself, I'm not running for (laughs) re-election. A father's goal is not to be popular, but it's to raise healthy and godly kids. Bill Maher is the host of the TV show, Politically Incorrect. And trust me, I agree with very few of Bill's political opinions. But but he did make one comment about being a dad that really resonated with me. He was asked, are you and your dad good friends? Bill replied, friends? We're friends now. But while growing up, 
I didn't need him to be my friend, but my dad. The idea of dads getting mushy and being friends is overblown. Dads are supposed to be the guy who tells you right from wrong. Dad, I know you want to be your child's friend one day. But while he or she is under your roof, your role is more important than a friend. You're a father. My kids have a lot of so-called friends who'll tickle their ears and butter them up and tell them what they want to hear. But they've only got one man in their life who'll put his foot down and tell them what they need to hear. Hey, there are times when a father's place is in his kid's face. I've heard it put, kids are like stomachs. They don't need everything we can afford to give them. Children don't need to be overindulged. They need to learn self-discipline, how to defer a desire, how to turn from a temptation, how to put principle above convenience. And it's certain, I don't know everything about this, trust me, but I know one thing. It's certain that your kid won't develop the kind of character that says no to sin if his dad lacks the courage to say no to him. A dad can't be afraid of the fight. Sometimes we battle for our kids. At other times we battle with our kids. But if I've learned anything about being a father, it's this. A dad has to win the battles. Guys, you've got to. Kids will forgive you for weakness, but your cowardice will send them elsewhere for strength. We'll say that again. Kids will forgive you for weakness, but cowardice will send them elsewhere for strength. A dad has to win the battles. Reminds me of the night my sons and I were walking across the football field to the car. And out of the blue, one of my sons, he he will remain nameless. Fifteen and full of testosterone. This kid says to me, Dad, take off your glasses. I want to wrestle you. I think I can take you. You think you can take me? Well, I took off my glasses and I handed them to his two stunned younger brothers. I mean, these two kids, they're standing there with their mouth hanging wide open. They, they understand that the, that the older sibling has thrown down the gauntlet. That he has challenged the status quo. I mean, for a few seconds there, their world is on a hinge. I mean, what's going to happen? Life could change dramatically. Well, don't worry. It, it took me about five seconds to have that kid in a full Nelson down on the ground, just rubbing his little nose in the grass. Five seconds. I had put down the challenge. I had restored order to their world. Everything was right again. (laughs) These two kids could breathe a sigh of relief. Hey, a family is in big trouble when the patients take over the asylum. Know what I mean? Your kids are going to wrestle with you, Dad. Trust me, they will. But you got to win the battles. A godly father learns how to pin his kids in love. It's amazing how our appreciation for dad changes over time. At seven years old, my dad knows a lot, a whole lot. At ten years old, well, my father doesn't quite know everything. 
at 17 years old, dad, he's so old-fashioned, I know more than dad, at 22 years old, well, dad knows a little bit, but not much, at 30 years old, a little patience now, I need to find out what dad thinks first, and at 50 years old, man, I wish I could talk it over with dad, he knew everything. Fathers, be encouraged, as Nehemiah said, fight for your sons and daughters. Well, Nehemiah's plan to erect these walls was to build, to battle, and then thirdly, to bugle. He says to the workers in verses 19 and 20, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. In other words, we're so spread out, we could get attacked and no one would know about it until it was too late. And this is the problem with modern families today. We too are so spread out. Brother has a ball game. Sister has a dance recital. Dad has to go out of town. And it doesn't take long for family members to grow distant and become unaware of each other's hurts. Dad erecting walls of prosperity and power and protection and perspective for your kids necessitates you finding ways to keep open lines of communication. After each broadcast of ABC's World News Tonight, the late Peter Jennings would pick up the telephone. And the reason might surprise you. In an interview, Jennings once explained, Sometimes I call the producers to see if they like the show. But just as often, I call my children and tell them that I'm on my way home for dinner. What amazes me here is that Peter Jennings brought news to the world. But he knew that his most important job was trying to find ways to communicate with his kids. Dad, if you value this communication, you'll be the one to initiate the effort. Did you know the biggest hindrance to communication? Do you know what it is? It's pride. It's pride. Why should I have to take the first step? I'm not the problem here. You see, it's once we embrace humility, it's once we accept and decide on empathy, what we have to say becomes a lot easier. Longtime president of the University of Michigan, Dr. James Engel, he explained the secret of his success. He said, grow antennae, not horns. See, this is the key to being a good parent. Stay sensitive. Often, the behavior in your kid you want to gore is really just a cry for help. You, you need to be sensitive. It's been said, talk to your kids in a way that will make them want to listen. And listen to your kids in a way that will make them want to talk. Well, Nehemiah had a job to do. His priority was imperial. His presence was imperative. His plan was ingenious. And his persistence was important. He never gave up. Throughout this book, one of the traits we admire most about Nehemiah is his resistance to distraction. Nehemiah has the uncanny ability, though, to stay on task. His enemies taunt him, but he works. They invite him to pointless meetings, but he works. They accuse him falsely, but he works. He knows there is nothing more important for him 
to do than to do this work on the wall. His focus is like a laser beam and dead. You too cannot give up. Even though you're discouraged today, even though you feel like your efforts have been in vain, you cannot give up. Nehemiah's persistence was important. You know, deads too can get distracted. They can become discouraged. Did you know that being a dead is a thankless job? I mean, I can't remember when the last time one of my kids came up and thanked me for paying the mortgage or buying groceries. Oh, Dad, thank you so much for the health insurance. I really appreciate it. Never had one of my kids say that. I'm sure your little girl will just kiss you when you make her take her new swimsuit back because it's too skimpy. Or your son is going to pat you on the back for taking his car keys away after he got a ticket. Dad, you are fighting for your kids. You're trying to erect walls. But instead of building walls, you feel like you're beating your head against the wall. Your kids are fighting against you. So why keep at it? Why stay focused? Logic says that if a kid is determined to walk off a cliff, then just let him. But a dad can't do that. For a father has a God-given burden that supersedes logic. He knows in his heart that he needs to build moral and spiritual walls around his kids. And he can't live with himself if he shirks the responsibility to build them. God burns it into our heart. Men, your kids need a dad who is just as sure of his calling as was Nehemiah. His priority was imperial and so is yours. Every dad is commissioned by the king of kings. His presence was imperative and nobody can take the place of a kid's dad. His plan was ingenious. He built, he battled, and he bugled and this plan still works for fathers today. And then finally, his persistence was important, as it is for every dad. You see, being a father isn't easy, but it is desperately needed. A father bears a burden. Dad, I hope you'll be faithful to build strong walls around your kids. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the men in this room who are called fathers, who are called dead. Lord, I pray they wouldn't give up. I pray they'd be encouraged. Lord, I pray that you would help them to understand that their persistence is important, that their persistence will pay off. They just have to keep at it. They have to keep battling. They have to keep building. They have to keep bugling and sounding the the, the alarm and sounding the voice. They have to keep speaking into the life of their child. You've called them. Their their priority is imperial. It's from the king. And Lord, their presence is so imperative. I pray that they would be there. That whatever they have to do, whatever changes they need to make in their calendar to be there for their kid, I pray that they'll be there. Help them to remember that children spell love. T-I-M-E. Help us all, Lord, as dads, to be the best dad we can be. Help us to be the kind of father that you desire and that our kids deserve. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.